Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Week 12 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Blue Chew. So pull up your favorite sunset and your own bathtub and let's talk about Blue Chew, guys. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed with Blue Chew. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door to discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code armchair, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue Chew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. My guest today, uh, guy in charge of the G-Men HQ site for fansided.com, Charles Vitolo, here to help us preview the Week 12 matchup between these two juggernaut teams the two and eight Giants and the four and six Chicago Bears. So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right to it. It's the week 12 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Don't worry, guys. It's a it's been a long, rough season so far, and it's it's getting there. We're almost done. Trust me. It's almost over. The pain will end soon, especially. And it, it has been pain. That's the only way to describe the expectations versus the reality and how this season has gone. And, uh, you know, I, I thought 2016 was rough when we went three and 13. Uh, you know, I thought 2014 was bad when, when Tressman was, you know, had that dumpster fire of a season, uh, going on somehow this has been worse you know it just because we know how good we can be because we saw it last season we 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 know what our potential is we have all the same guys coming back and it's just it's not there man it just isn't there and we got six more games of this and we get two of them banged out in the next four days so uh that'll be great to to kind of get them out of the way the funny thing is if things go our way, guys, we're right back in the middle of this thing at 6-6. Six and six. We beat the Giants on Sunday and the, uh, the, the Lions on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. We're a 500 football team, 
and that puts us right back into that fun area of the graphic in the on the in the hunt uh category which means the season isn't quite over and for some reason we get to keep hoping uh as we (laughs) go through uh this season even though there is very little uh that our team has done to give us hope for the remainder of this season i hate to sound like a pessimist especially at the top of the show but you guys have gone through this with me you know exactly what i'm talking about and you know, especially since we spent all off season, and I told you guys before 2018 even started, 2019, that's the season I'm looking forward to, man. Year two of everything, everyone's playing together, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be great. 100th season of football for the Bears. You know, the whole numerology thing, the Super Bowl's on Papa Bear's birthday. It's in Miami where we last played in the super bowl it's super bowl 54 another number that means a lot to us with erlacher it's 34 years since the last super bowl be for sweetness and blah, blah, blah. oh it's meant to be it is meant to be it is not <laughs> it's not oh god it is not unfortunately that is just the reality of it and um you know we just got to enjoy the time that we have left with the team hope that we see some things turn around hope to enjoy these next six football games win lose or draw i hope they're competitive you know i would like to see a taste of 2018 over the next six weeks we're in every game right up until the end win or lose you know uh i would also like it very much since we're going to be favored in these next two games if we won them both because the four weeks that follow after that with dallas green bay kansas city and minnesota i don't think we're going to be favored in any of those games even though two of them are in chicago so i don't think we'd be favored in any of those games so um yeah it would be nice if we could enter the fourth quarter of the season at 500 but in order to get to 500 we got to beat the giants uh on sunday real quick before we get to our uh our guest charles vitolo from gman hq uh real simple uh short stuff guys the injury report uh mitch has practiced in full both on Wednesday and Thursday with that hit pointer. Uh, So all signs point to him being good to go for Sunday uh, against the Giants. Uh, Bobby Massey, who left the game early on Sunday against the uh, Rams with a back injury, has practiced in full on Wednesday and Thursday. So he'll be back in the lineup, or so it appears. Uh, Isaiah Irving, who has not practiced for the last couple of weeks with a quad injury, has been limited thus far. Uh, with that quad injury so he looks like he's on his way back maybe not this week but possibly uh, Thursday against the uh, the Lions for Thanksgiving and uh, for some reason Danny Trevathan is still on the injury report Uh, I don't know if they're holding out hope like maybe they regret uh, putting Akeem Hicks on IR and not holding a roster spot for him like maybe he could be back by now if they hadn't done that because they said it was like a a four to eight week injury or something like that like maybe he could already be coming back if we'd have just saved the roster spot for him and not put him on ir and maybe that's what they're doing with danny trevathan like i think that we won't get a final verdict on danny trevathan until after the detroit game if we you know let's just say everything goes sideways and we lose both these games or we lose one of them we're five and seven four and eight something like that then I think we'll shut Danny Trevathan down. But if we're six and six and Trevathan's only got a you know another couple of weeks before he can come back, then maybe they hold out hope and keep him on the injury report thinking that maybe he can come back for the last 
a uh, few games if we have something to say about it. So I don't know. Maybe we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, on that one. But uh, you know, I, I don't know what the holdup is with the way. I mean, because Trevathan's elbow injury looked like Zach Miller's knee injury. Like your knee, your knee is not supposed to bend in that direction, and neither is your elbow. So, uh, but it did, and uh, obviously he's not practicing. Uh, the other person not practicing is Adam Shaheen, and uh, I don't even think he should be on the team, let alone practicing uh, right now. But they're saying that the foot injury is keeping him out, so let's just go with that for now. Speaking of tight ends, one positive roster move. Uh, There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This week, A, unfortunately, James Vodders is the new Bradley Soul because he was cut uh, earlier this week and then re-signed to the practice squad because Jesper Horstead the tight end dynamo from Princeton uh, that played so well in the preseason, especially in the finale against the Titans, has been elevated to the 53-man roster. So for the last six weeks, Jesper Horstead's going to get a shot at the big leagues. So we'll see if, uh, if he can contribute, do a little something. But what I would really like to see is for the Bears to give him a chance. You know, we brought James Vaughters up, and I don't think I ever saw him actually play on defense you know I, I don't think I saw him rush the passer or may I'm I'm sure he was in there for a few snaps but uh not like the amount that maybe Isaiah Irving would have been had he been healthy I think they you know like they use Vaughters primarily on special teams that's where I saw him he was number 93 I don't remember seeing him very much on actual defense I remember seeing his number everywhere uh on special teams so uh hopefully they're not bringing in Jesper Horstead just to be uh just to fill the roster, but to actually bring him up and see if we can get him involved and have the tight end be a bigger part of the offense because God knows that's one of the huge, one, one of many, actually, but one of the big things that's that's not worked out for the Bears so far uh, in the offense. Granted, he had his his uh, his flash and his, uh, his spark against the Titans' second, third, and fourth stringers in that preseason finale, but... He showed us something in a season where the tight ends have literally shown us nothing. Our tight end group is the worst 
in the NFL statistically across the board. The fewest catches, the fewest yards, uh, the fewest like 10-yard plays, the fewest touchdowns across the board. We are the worst in the NFL uh, for tight ends. So what's, you know, give the kid a chance. Uh, you know, let's go with him and Broniker and see what we can do uh, while Burton and, is on IR and Shaheen is, is waiting to be executed. So uh, let's just go with it and see what happens. What have we got to lose at this point? So anyway, th- that's basically all I have. Uh, the only other thing uh, that I want to mention is that, um, you know, when we talked to Charles here, uh, it's a 2-8 and eight team that's coming into Soldier Field on Sunday. And to listen to this interview uh <laughs> this is a new york giants fan a lifer just like we are for the bears uh not optimistic at all that the giants are going to be able to win this game uh on sunday he kind of changes that up a little bit towards the end like he tries to be a little bit more optimistic but overall i don't think he thinks the giants are going to win uh on sunday i think he even did pick the bears there at the end uh as well but um you know the funny thing is if you guys remember when we had uh, Ryan Dunleavy as our guest last year previewing the game between the Bears and the Giants in the Meadowlands, um, he too was also like, yes, this is a nightmare matchup for the Giants. You guys are better than us at absolutely every position uh, on the field, and I am expecting a massacre. <laughs> the massacre was the Bears lost to a 2-8 and eight team that day, and uh, you know, it kind of, uh, that, was the, the, that was the last game that we lost all season, and it was the game that cost us our bye week, and that's why we had to play in the wild card round against Philly instead of being in the divisional round waiting for a wild card opponent to to show up. So, um, you know, that was uh, that game did not go the way that it was supposed to last year. And with the way that this team has played this year, I have every bit of confidence that we can win. So there, there's that thing again. Can the Bears win on Sunday? Absolutely. We are bar none the better team on paper across the board we are better than the giants we are a matchup nightmare for them uh on sunday but that's what we were last year we were better than them everywhere on the field last year the matchups that we had we were just an absolute nightmare for the giants and instead we blew that game we we couldn't tackle saquon uh last year chase daniels throwing interceptions and all the rest of that stuff. We had an extremely valiant effort to take it into overtime but couldn't close the deal in the OT period, and we lose uh, to the Giants. So it's the NFL. And as uh, old Chris Berman would say, that's why they play the games. And, you know, they're 2-8 and eight and spiraling. The Bears are a spiraling 4-6, and six and, you know, <laughs> season is all but over at this point. I think – the statistics say we have less than a 1% chance to make the playoffs at this point. So we're not mathematically out of it yet or eliminated, but uh, throw this log onto the fire in, in the in the way of a, the loss to the Giants, and uh, you might as well just burn it to the ground because it's done then. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, bring in our friend Charles Vitolo from G-Man HQ to help us preview Week 12 between the Bears and the Giants. Week number 12 has our beloved Chicago Bears returning home to Soldier Field after uh, after an embarrassing trip out west to the with uh, with the Rams. And uh, we're going to be hosting the Giants this week and hopefully hope to 
to get back to our winning ways heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. And here to help us preview the game between the Bears and the Giants, one of the more storied rivalries in the NFL, uh, from G-Man HQ, Charles Vitolo. Charles, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, brother. How you doing tonight? Oh, you know, I'd be doing a lot better if my squad wasn't 4-6, and six, and I know I shouldn't be complaining to somebody whose team is 2-8, and eight, but, uh, you know, I guess uh, we're feeling each other's pain, I guess, then, right? Yeah, I wish we could have met under better circumstances, but <laughs> it is what it is. Make it work. Yeah, we'll 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 do we'll see what we can to uh to kind of choke our way through this one and uh you know let's let's talk about these giants real quick. I mean, what what were your expectations coming into the coming into the season? I mean, there there's the you know, the, the Eli was coming back, but you drafted Daniel Jones in the first round instead of going for like a a Josh Allen type pass rusher who was still there when you guys picked at 6 or you know, you got Saquon, but he, he misses some games with the with the high ankle sprain or, uh, and things like that. I mean, what what kind of season were you looking forward to coming into the year? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, my official prediction was eight wins. Um, okay. To be perfectly honest with you, that was uh, it was honest. I mean, I thought that was a best case scenario. Right. But you know, it would have been would have. I was just hoping for some progress. Um, Realistically, I thought this was probably a, a five or six win team talent wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the thought, you know, hoping it was going to go a little bit better, but we're kind of just seeing that this roster is, you know, it's really not too deep, especially along the lines, and it's really played itself out throughout the season. So it's kind of gone really kind of how I thought it was. I wouldn't have said two and eight, you know, um, really was hoping for eight and eight, you know, seven and nine. Sure. My main goal for the whole season was just to just to play meaningful games down the stretch because we haven't seen that around here in the last couple of years. Right. Um, and that just has not been the case the last, you know, pretty much three years. The season's been over before it started. And I, that that was my main thing I just kept saying all off season was, you know, let's be patient. Let's just try to, you know, have some games in November when it gets cold out where we're still in this thing. And that is not what's transpired. But, hey, yeah, so is the the life of a, a fan of a team that uh, hasn't quite put it together yet. I mean, what's what's your what's your barometer on, on Pat Shermer at this at this point? Are you guys still being patient with him now that he's got the rookie and and uh, you know made an early season change with him and he's going through all of his rookie you know heartbreak here or early on, or, or is it that uh, you know we're, we're two seasons into the Pat Shermer area and we've got what six wins maybe to show for it at this point? Yeah, um, I, yeah, I think it's seven, okay. um, but not to nitpick it, but uh, <laughs> so, but um, right now it's the fan base is irate and it's it's really coming down on Pat Shermer. I mean, people are kind of split on Gatamon. I'm sure we'll get to that. Right. But uh, but but for me personally, it was week seven in Arizona um, where I really just kind of I just couldn't take it anymore with him. I mean, I really was trying to be patient with him. There was no way that really any coach was going to take over what he took over and make something work quickly. But to see the team regress like it has, and you just, I just personally, and from all the people that I talk to, you just never really feel like we have a coaching advantage in any game, not even really one or two times. Mm. And if that continues to be the case week in, week out, you know, you just kind of feel like you don't have the right guy. He just, he's got, he's, you know, I, I hear a funny term. I, I, I can't remember who, who created it, but it's called coordinator face. And he's mm. just got that coordinator face, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? He just, he's not, he's not a head coach in my opinion. I mean, I think his, his record kind of speaks for itself. He's, I believe just loosely he's, he's 
he's definitely uh, top 10 worst records in general all time. And over 50 games, he's now in the top three worst records all time. So we can, we can give him excuses and we can say the Giants are a young team and they're not very good. But when you've been a coach for, you know, five, six years and you've got a top three worst record of all time, I mean, I'm not sure how much more slack he should be given. Um, he hasn't done much to impress me or the fan base. Um, I'll tell you that. He's a good guy. He's a good man. Um, he really hasn't done himself any favors with the media, though. And I know that can be overblown. You know, I kind of joke around. And I say he's, he's like Bill Belichick, but without the pedigree. You know, you can be like that <laughs> if, you're winning, if you're winning games, man. Nobody cares. But when you're getting steamrolled every week and you're, you know, one week you're punting on uh, – on fourth and two, the next week you're going for it on fourth and 16 and you're just real chippy with the media. And, you know, you don't put it like, you don't put any of the blame on yourself. Like, even if you don't mean it, just say it, man. You know what I mean? So yeah. he hasn't done himself any favors there and, and it's just not working on the field. So, well, you mentioned coordinator face and, and I've, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Maybe not so much the, the look that comes to mind, but I definitely know what you mean when there are guys that are out there that just aren't meant to be head coaches and run the show. Uh, you guys had a, a coach in the market until last year that I thought was for certain one of those people, and that was Todd Bowles. Now, he did have some success uh, with the Jets, but not obviously sustained success because he's back to being a coordinator uh, for, the Buccaneer, for the Buccaneers again. Uh, Wade Phillips, I think, would be another perfect example of a guy that is, that is f far better at running a unit than he is running a football team. You know, he has excelled year after year, team after team as a defensive coordinator, put him in charge of, of the whole ship. And maybe he has a good year here, you know, that kind of thing. But for the most part, he's meant to be a supporting character instead of the lead guy. And it would look that after I mean, and I know we're only about we're just a little over a year and a half into the Pat Shermer thing. But I think that everything that you're saying is that he's probably another one of those guys that was more meant to be. A, a coordinator or a supporting player than the lead man himself. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, it's not his face. It's just a funny way to say it. Right. Right. But, um, it's just, you know, with him specifically too, it's like he calls the plays and it's like, you can't, well, he's got, he doesn't, a, a real good head coach in my opinion is, or a leader and it really any industry is somebody that even if they think they're the smartest person around, they, they know they still need to delegate certain responsibilities to other people. Sure. And he doesn't seem willing to do that. He seems like he's got too much on his plate, um, you know, to to do everything that he's doing, and it's just not working. And he he's not willing to try anything else. So I just I think he's in over his head. Again, he seems like a good guy. You know, I I, I wish him well. I, maybe he'll be around next year. Um, some people seem to think that just because the Maras have not been a family that likes to, you know, get rid of coaches too quickly. And we just went through this with McAdoo. Right. But I say to that, I mean, if you know. You know, if you're running a business and you've got a bad employee, you let them hang around and keep running your business into the ground just sure. for the sake of it, or do you make a move and do what needs to be done? So we still got six games left, but I, I don't see really what he can do here. We got a, a pretty tough schedule, but yeah, I mean, I was just looking at your your actual schedule up to this point, and and like you said, uh, you know, they've uh, not only have they been losing, they've been losing in some pretty spectacular fashion like they're getting doubled up just about almost every game that they've lost uh so far uh this year i mean they played a tighter game last week with the jets but was that more of a closing the gap at the end kind of thing or did the jets or was that a, or as close as the score would indicate 
So I would say it was. They kind of jumped on us. They got out to a 14 nothing lead right out of the gate. Uh-huh. But uh, Daniel Daniel Jones answered, and you know by halftime we were in it, and we actually took the lead in the third quarter. Um, but you know just down the stretch, it was like that coaching advantage thing. It even felt like just even like Adam Gase, who's he's got a real bad reputation around the league right now. It just felt like he was pushing buttons that that we weren't pushing, and he we don't seem to we have guys like Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. I know he didn't play last week. And it just doesn't seem like we get them in favorable situations. It seems like everything that we do, when even when we do it, is really hard. And everything that gets done on us is really easy. Mm. And I know that sounds simple, but it's like good coaches, they scheme for their players. They get them in winning situations. They get their running back matched up on a linebacker because they dictate that. It doesn't seem like we get in any of those situations. It seems like, you know, our guys, they got no separation. There's no easy chunk plays on offense. You know, it just it, it, to me that's on coaching. It, it, our players can't be that much worse that you can, you know that that happens consistently week in and week out. So you know, I, I got to put that on coaching at some point. And it, it took me a while to get here. I'm you know it, I gave them like a solid year and a half, maybe year and a quarter before I got to that point. But it's like every week it's like we're just tooth and nail to get a couple yards, and we have really really tremendous talent on the especially in the skill position. And to not be able to generate much of anything with that, it's hard to put on anything else but the coaching staff. You know what I mean? Well, you know what uh, you know what you sound like. You sound like a Bears fan because that <laughs> is exactly what's going on in Chicago. We have a guy that insists on calling the plays, that will not give up the play calling duties, or as he famously said during one press conference, "If I do give him up, you'll never know about it." So apparently he would just hand it off to somebody and it would just be this well-kept secret within the organization that he's no longer calling the place. And we have all this talent that we had success with last year. Everybody that we, that we did well with last year is back again. Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, uh, you know, Trey Burton. Well, he, he's on IR now, but still. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, across the board. Nobody is performing well outside of Allen Robinson right now he can't seem to get us into favorable situations and he also does a lot of things that baffle us as bear fans where we're passing on third and one we're running on third and nine like you said we'll punt on fourth and two but we'll go for it on fourth and 16 it's these things where you sit there and you watch them and you can just ascertain simply by watching what they're doing on sunday like i don't have the luxury of going back and watching tape to really deep dive on it or anything like that. I can only go by what I'm watching with the rest of the world on Sundays. And what I see is a head coach that appears to be trying to trick the defense rather than putting his players in the best position to beat the defense. Right, yeah. And I do have a lot of Bears uh, fans in my life, so maybe that's why I sound like that too because I hear them <laughs> talking about it all the time. But uh, I, I mean, I, mean I, I watch a really good amount of football, and I've seen a bunch of Bears games from start to finish this year. And I, I mean – I totally agree with what you're saying. It seems like he's always got some kind of motion involved that doesn't really have a purpose. Yep. And like when you look at, you know, not to get off topic, but like the 49ers for their offense, they have motion on almost every play, but it's like every guy that's in motion, it seems like there's a defined purpose of why he's moving and he's trying to do something to the defense. It seems like Nagy is just trying to move guys around just to, just to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's no real rhythm in the offense. And, you know, I, I, I can't act like I'm in, as in tune with it as you are, 
but it, it you know I, for the sense I get from from Bears fans and people you know that I talk to is they're they're really not happy and I looking at the numbers you know you guys are really down at the bottom of the the league so I'm interested to to hear what you have to say about you give them credit for the defense at all or is it just you know the offense is bad so he's not doing his job because he, you know he's an offensive guy so you know he's not getting the job done right. um, that offense is what it, bottom four in the league right now i believe they're, right they're 29th in i think they're 29th in passing and 30th in rushing or the other way around one of the two those are the right numbers though 29th and 30th are the two halves of the offense and how they're performing i think good for like 30th overall uh in the league right now it's like the redskins and the dolphins are the only word offense is worse than us uh right now yeah, that's not yeah and the only reason that we're not... as good or as competitive as we are is because the one thing that Nagy did right was after Fangio left town to go to uh, take his chance with the Broncos as their head coach, he hired Pagano. And there hasn't been much loss with between Fangio and Pagano. It's just that those things that you can't that you generally can't produce year in and year out like turnovers um, are the only thing that we're not getting right now. It's like we're not getting the the same amount of turnovers that we were a year ago at this time but we're still like number four number five in scoring defense right now which is kind of sad because the other four teams in the top five with us are all playoff teams right now like if the season ended they're all going to the playoffs and the bears have nothing to show for how well they've played on defense this year nothing nothing whatsoever they have nothing to show for it uh you know other than the fact that you know from time to time they get beaten up because they're out on the field too long, they get worn down, teams start running the football on us or, uh, you know, things like that. And, and it just also kind of seems like the defense has lost a little bit of its fire, maybe because they know that they're not going to get any help from the offense and they're, they're having trouble carrying the weight of the whole team. Oh, yeah, it's hard to, you know, that's what I've noticed too watching the games. I mean, the offense, because Nagy moves so quick and the drives are – typically so short yes it, the defense is out there for so long man yeah. and, you know get it you they just seem tired and it seems like they hold up for as long as they can and they, they just get cracked once or twice which on any other team that that would be fine but with, with the margin they're playing with it's just it's not fair to them and they just it, it's just there's nothing really they can do about it yeah it's it's very difficult uh and frustrating uh to watch because like i said we pretty much brought back the same team. This is the same team that went twelve and four a year ago, minus you know three or four different uh, three or four different guys. And but basically, it's the same fifty three that we brought to the table last year that we had all this success with, that we went twelve and four with, that we won a division with, went to the playoffs with last year, uh, to the point where no one had a problem with the off season that the Bears had. It's like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So we tweaked. The roster. We added David Montgomery. We signed Cordero Patterson. Uh, Adrian Amos left. We went and got Haha Clinton Dix. And, you know, so we just seemed to, you know, just move this piece and bring in that one uh, kind of thing. So we were expecting similar, if not better, results. And this is what we've been uh, saddled with. But, I mean, this is what we also run into with uh, things that weren't happening last year are happening in bunches this year. We were one of the least penalized teams in the league last year. I don't know where we rank, but there's a hell of a lot more penalties going on, especially on the offensive side, false starts, holding, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, 
the defense is allowing people to run all over them at times. We were one of the we were the best rushing defense in the NFL uh, last year. We led the league in turnovers. I don't even know where we're at now, but we, we don't even have half the turnovers that we had at this point uh, last year. So I mean the 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 I, maybe it's the the sophomore jinx because it's Nagy's second year and he can't do anything right or. This is the team that we were meant to be last year, and we just got lucky. So it, it's not it's not a fun what if game to play with, right? And I mean, I'm sure you'd love to have that. What was it, a fifth rounder for Jordan Howard? Um, yeah, that was given up because man, that it just from what I've seen, that power running game is lacking. And oh, David Montgomery looks just... he looks pretty good. And listen, Tariq Cohen, even though weirdly enough, one of your four losses last year was I know Chase Daniel was starting, but it was against the lowly Giants. Yep, but. I saw up up close and personal what last year what Tariq Cohen can do. What did he, he had like? I, I'm he had over 100 sure, yards like, rushing or 100 yards receiving. Yeah, in that receiving. game, receiving. Yeah, like yeah. 10, 10 catches. We just we couldn't stop him. And this year, I think he's averaging like five yards a catch. <laughs> and you know, sometimes when the defense just they, they know they don't have to respect that running game. Yeah, you know, they they can just they can choose pick and choose what they want to stop. And if you've only got one thing that you can do, um. You know that's that's kind of how it goes, um, but it's yeah it's 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 a tough situation you guys got out there right now because you don't have a lot of assets to fix and we haven't no, even brought up and that's, yet. That's the problem. But but you know where and I was just I was talking to somebody the other day and I think I think if there's one spot you could potentially really make a case for Colin Kaepernick signing on with. Oh come on, it could man. be the Bears. Because no. I'm just saying, think if you think think about it, where else are you going to find any kind of quarterback that's near that level with no draft capital and no uh, real money to speak of? It's not, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure if you give up on Mitch totally yet, but I don't I don't think Cap's going to get back in the league. But I'm just saying, if there was any team that made sense, I think it could be the Bears. Um, I really do. Just. I don't know where else you look to, to potentially because you don't want to waste the defense that you guys have. You know that to, no. to have a defense like that come along, um, and I'm not saying caps the answer. I'm just I was just talking with somebody about it. Like, what are they going to do going forward? Mm. But I, I just you know I don't see it from Mitch. And to get back to the Giants, somehow a lot of Giants fans are somehow down on Daniel Jones and about for the fumbles. But like, would they really rather have somebody like Mitch who? <laughs> to his credit, is pretty good at taking care of the football, but he doesn't even look down the field. You know what I mean? I'd rather yeah, have a quarterback no, you got that. That's right. that turns it over, turns it over here and there. You know, his, uh, especially we don't have a great line, but he's making plays. Mitch, to me, I see a guy that's got all the attributes. He's got the arm. He's got the uh, the athleticism, but he just doesn't seem to be processing the field. And again, like we just said, to you know, to waste a defense like this that only comes along, you know, every couple of years. Um, I'm not sure what you do because you invested so much in him mm. and his statistics don't look that bad. And like I said, you think good defense quarterback takes care of the ball. We can win that way, Yeah, but it just hasn't worked out like that. You know? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, if that, if there's one thing that Mitch has done well this year is that he's taking care of the ball. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Uh, he's also gotten lucky in a few cases. He should have more interceptions than he does have if not for the defensive backs showing why they play defense and not offense. Uh, there have been several interceptions. Well, I won't say several, but at least a handful of interceptions throughout the right. year that have been 
drop that should have been interceptions, but he got away with it. Um, other than that, he does hang on to the football. Um, he does not uh, turn it over or make bad or make stupid throws. The interception that he threw on Sunday was the the receiver. Uh, the ball hit him in the hands and f- and flew into the defender's uh, arms uh, on Sunday. That the interception he threw against the Rams, but you know, right. Mitch. Mitch, you're right. Mitch has the tools. He has a great arm. He can run, but it's it seems for some reason it, it just kind of feels like that's been beaten out of him uh, for some reason. Like he yeah. has he doesn't run anymore, and I don't know if it's because he's trigger or he's uh, gun shy because he suffered two shoulder injuries, one in each arm over the last couple of years by scrambling, or if Nagy has beaten it out of him by saying, stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket, find the receiver, stay in the pocket, that kind of thing. It's like, I don't know why you wouldn't want a guy who's as talented on his, I mean, he nearly beat the Patriots by himself on his feet last year. I mean, he had like 90 something yards rushing against the Patriots by himself. Uh, uh, last year we almost won that game in Soldier Field and Mitch running the ball had a lot to do with it and I don't know why Nagy is so insistent if that is the case on keeping him uh, in the pocket and and making sure he stays there and make the throw find the receiver uh, to the point where instead of stepping up in the pocket now he's starting to fade in the pocket and making things more and more difficult uh, for himself so you know I, I when his rookie year you know, I, I was in love with the kid because he showed flashes and we had a terrible football team with no weapons around. Like literally had no one for him to throw the football to. It was our running game and then Mitch maybe throwing a ball here and there. But and then last year we kind of opened things up. We have targets, we have receivers and things like that. And I don't know what happened from last season to this season because he made progress all throughout last year. He had his moments. He made all the progress. He was a better quarterback against Philadelphia than he was week one against Green Bay. That was obvious. He outplayed Nick Foles in the second half and nearly won us that game. And I don't know what happened from the day after that game till we kicked off at Green Bay. He's a completely different guy. It's like he has no self-confidence. He's not doing any of the things that he had success with before. And we're also running the, the, you know, Nagy said we went from 101, offense 101, to offense 202, this year and apparently we need to go back to 101 because 202 is just too much uh for the kid but to kind of circle back to the to the giants uh you know daniel jones i saw it personally uh you know was pretty good in the preseason he takes over early on in the year what week week three week four he takes over and was kind of like yeah. yeah week three was kind of the talk of the town there for a little bit but then you know, the, the rookie mistakes and, and blunders start coming in hand, and all of a sudden New York is sour on him? I wouldn't say sour, but it's about – I'm trying to put a percentage on it. To me, it should be like 100% thrilled, mm-hmm. but it's more like lukewarm. It's more like, man, it's like I can't – every time I tweet something, it's like, yeah, but he fumbles, and it's like, man, he's doing <laughs> everything out there, and he's got turnstiles for tackles. He's yeah. getting blasted, and not to mention – He's making plays with his feet all the time, which to me, that negates the fumbles because, okay, we want him to take a sack. We're going to punt the ball anyway. You don't want to fumble. Fumbles aren't good. We all know that. Right. But when you're playing on a team like that has as bad of a line as we have, and he's making plays, you know, there's a crazy stat, and it's true. There's been three games in NFL history by, that a rookie has had 300 yards passing, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. He's got two of the three of them. He's played eight games. 
Yeah. So I'm not sure what people want to see. I mean, listen, the f- again, the fumbles are not good. We don't want to see them. But if that's the only thing that's happening, we can, you know, we can probably fix that in the long term. Everything else I see is there. Um, but I, I, that's, you know, I, I had a tweet the other day, you know, the most surprising thing has probably been the record for the Giants season. But the second most surprising thing is seeing that, you know, how nitpicky everybody's being with, with Daniel Jones. And I, especially considering when he was drafted, the expectations, I feel, even for me, were so low. Yeah. Because that was, you know, easily one of the most criticized draft picks. And I was one of those critics, too. Yeah that I can remember in recent memory. And then he goes out and plays like this and people are not satisfied. So New Yorkers are a hard bunch to, mm. to please, but you know, there's, there's a lot of problems on this football team, as you're going to see on Sunday before <laughs> you even think about Daniel Jones. And I'm just, I'm just surprised of the overall reception that, that he's gotten. Um, I feel like he's done everything right so far. Well, I hope you're right about the we're going to see a bad football team on Sunday because we could use – because every win that the Bears have, we got four wins this year. Every one of the four except for one, you kind of come away with this taste in your mouth, this bad taste. Yeah, we won, but this happened. Yeah, we we like we probably should have lost the Denver game. We got lucky there with the roughing the passer call. Eddie Pinero hits a 53-yard field oh, goal, yeah. that whole deal. So the Washington game, we jump out to this huge lead. They start coming back in the fourth quarter before you know we force a late turnover to kind of shut that down. The, the Minnesota game, we dominated from start to finish. It was our best defensive showing of the season by far. We smashed Kirk Cousins uh, in Minnesota in a game where everybody thought the Bears broke Kirk Cousins. And ever since then, they've lost one game since we played them. Uh, then, so I think they're fine. You know what I'm saying? They're like six, yeah. five and one, six and one since since they played uh, in Chicago. So I think they figured it out, and we helped them do that. We didn't break them; we fixed them, I guess. And then, uh, you know, last week or the week before against the the Lions, we, you know, we we got out to this lead. They don't have Matt Stafford. It looks like it's an easy win, and all of a sudden we make a mistake. They score a touchdown in the fourth quarter, and the game literally comes down to a Hail Mary on the last play of the game before we can finally breathe a sigh of relief and say that we won. So I think it would be nice if we could have this win against the Giants, that it would be one of those easier kind of coasting wins as opposed to the nail-biter, sick-to-my-stomach victories that we've had to deal with uh, so far this season. But um, (laughs) support for the Bears Talk Underground and the Armchair Media Network comes from Manscaped who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. It's a bold new world out there, boys. It isn't just the ladies that are expected to keep a clean shop in the nether regions these days. But you don't want to use the same trimmer for your face that you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Always use the right tools for the job. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer, their Lawnmower 2.0. I love that name has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. And because of it, manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why aren't you putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code armchair. 
So go to manscaped.com, the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Your balls will thank you, or as our friend Dr. Eva would say, There really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I suggest you try it. And now let's get back to the show. <laughs> you guys do have Saquon, and from what I understand, when he's healthy, he's still one of the bright spots on the team. Has he, has been, has he been as good in year two when he's been ready to play? Um, you know, he, he, everyone's saying he's really banged up and he came back super fast from a high ankle sprain. Yeah, he did. So there's probably something to that. And I know he had the crazy stat line last week. That was 13 carries for one yard. Um, you know, I'll be honest, he didn't break a single tackle, but there wasn't much there for him to do. Mm. Um, the Jets actually have a really stout run defense, but we didn't give him any help. Um, you'd like to think that a number two overall pick could figure out a way to get more than one yard on 13 carries. Sure. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get too down on him right now. Um, I'm not expecting him to have a big game this week. Um, I, I still, I really have a lot of respect, um, for your defense and, um, he just doesn't seem right right now. Um, and it, you know, a lot of that's got to do with the guys up front. Um, which is why I think it's kind of crazy in the first place to take a running back two overall because it's very dependent on everything else that's going around right. all around. But um, but he, yeah, he's a special player, man. If he gets if he gets any kind of crease, any kind of opportunity, he'll take it to the house for sure. Um, but yeah, he's not. He's I, I think his his yards per carry is down to four, which sounds okay. But he was at like six point five through like three weeks, so he's come back down to earth, man. Let me ask you a question. This was kind of something I was I was thinking about uh, the other day when it comes to the Giants, and you know, let, let's play a little what if uh, real quick. Um, let's say that you know you have. W- would you prefer to have what you have now, which is Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, or would you prefer to flip that and say last year you take Darnold at two, and everything happens the same as far as your record? You have the same picks and in at 17 or whatever Josh Jacobs is is sitting there do you, you would you rather go with a Darnold like Jacobs combination or stick with Jones and and Saquon because those are the guys that you that you got with there well that's interesting I haven't heard anybody bring up that scenario in New York this scenario that the other I'll tell you the other scenario that gets brought up after I answer that but I would stick with what we've got actually sure. um for sure on that because, you know, I think Darnold's okay. I'm not as down on him as everybody else, but Daniel Jones has looked special. Um, and Josh Jacobs looks good, too. Mm-hmm. But to be contrarian to what you just said, and yeah. I get, you know, I get, a lot of, I get a lot of heat for this, that really wasn't the option. Because what we, sh- what we should have done, and a rebuilding team that has as many holes as we had, you don't take a running back at two ever. Right. You take what the Colts did. You take what the Colts did in a year where – you know that the quarterbacks are going near the top. You know there's a lot of teams that want to get up. You either take one, which I'm fine with that we didn't do, or you trade back and you take Quentin Nelson yeah. and you get three top 40 picks and you find a running back somewhere else. And I listen, people think I'm a Saquon hater. I think that he's a great kid. I think he's a terrific athlete, special player. Really, if he was on a good team, he'd be an MVP type of guy. Sure. But by the time we're, by the time we're good – you know he's going to be 26 with you know 1500 touches under his belt. So right. I just to me that that's where really, really where we went wrong, and it has nothing to do with Saquon personally, more so to do with the running back position in general. But 
but no, I would I would stay with uh, with what we've got versus Darnold and, and Jacobs. But that's interesting. I haven't heard anybody phrase it that way so far. Well, you know, looking at the the 2018 draft, I love Roquan Smith. He's been a great player for us. He's had his moments this year, but he's he seems to be back to form. He had a a fantastic game against the Rams on Sunday. But if you presented me with the option of Quentin Nelson and or uh, Roquan Smith, it's like, boy, I love Roquan, but Quentin Nelson. Uh that guy was about as can't miss a prospect in last year's draft as there was, and he has been everything and more uh, for the Colts this year. I mean, there was a clip circulating on on uh, I saw it on Twitter uh, in several places where he's the left guard and somehow I, murders yeah. the edge rusher coming off the right side uh, against the Jaguars. Yep. Like he somehow saw oh, that man. guy coming and then murders him. Not only does he get there and he throws him to the ground, he got over there. He, he God, I was just like, damn it. We just two more spots. We we're picking clip, it. Yeah. yeah, we we're picking it eight, and Indy took him at six. It's like two more spots, and he could have been ours. Damn it. So, yeah, I mean, I would, I would have loved to be able to get my hands on on uh, Quentin Nelson. I think we could be a completely different offense right now if he was, if he was our starting left guard. But, uh, you know, ah. Uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? So I, I saw that clip, man. That was crazy. Yeah, um, I'm up to speed on the Bears' offensive line. I think it's okay from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. But you know, for the Giants, we can't have guys that block guys right in front of them. This guy is seeing somebody on a you know out of the corner of his eye and getting there, beating a linebacker to a spot, pancaking him. And at the end of the clip, to me, he looked like he was ready to block somebody else. Yeah. Like, he's, man, he, he is uh, just he's something else, man. Yeah. He really is. That guy's a monster. So, But, you know, you guys have had your issues with the offensive line, even after some of the moves uh, that you made. You tri- traded for Kevin Zeitler and, and brought him uh, in. You, you have, um, what's his name from the Patriots? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. The That's ta- a good way to describe him. <laughs> he's not doing it too so. <laughs> He's not earning that Eighth highest. Holder. There you go, Solder, not earning that highest left tackle yeah. in the in the league uh, money. And, and like you said, with, with Saquon, his best years could be behind him by the time you guys get it figured out, and that's like the one huge risk with taking somebody like him uh, in, in early in the draft, uh, in like num- number two overall, like you said, you never do that. I mean, the Jaguars have proven that even with Leonard Fournette. Now, he wasn't on the same level as Saquon Barkley, but he was an outstanding running back who flashed early and has his moments here and there, but for the most part, he's taken a beating playing on a bad football team. Right, and, um, you know, it's all about positional value. Some of the some of the better GMs seem to get it, and some of the other ones seem lost on it. But, you know, especially with the slotted salary cap, that's my biggest thing. It's like you take a quarterback or a guy like Nelson at that spot, and they're making about a third or half of what the best player at their position makes. You take a running back at that spot, they're making top two money. Yeah. So it doesn't make, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, you want to have those, like Russell Wilson was not a top pick, but just for a contract example, or any other young quarterback that's done well, when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract or a lineman or any impact position, that really helps you build a roster if you want to be competitive. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, 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 to me, and there's a, there's a faction of Giants fan base that feels like this, but most of it's kind of sacrilegious to bring it up because Saquon is such a great guy. He's so likable. He's so good, and you want him to do well. 
but again, it's just you know, it's just how the game is played these days. I mean, you can find a guy like Philip Lindsay off the street, and he can make a Pro Bowl in his rookie year. Right. So it, it's just it's tough. But you know, to get back to the Giants' offensive line, I just you know, if I can make you feel a little better, I know people are <laughs> down on Khalil Mack. Um, there's two things I want to say. A, I guarantee you that Mitch Trubisky has, if not his best one of his best two or three games of the entire season this year. And to do with the offensive line, I guarantee you Khalil Mack gets at least two sacks on Sunday. The Giants have been a get-right opponent for every quarterback and every edge rusher so far. There have been countless edge rushers that have been, that have done nothing all season. Trey Flowers in your own division for one. Mm. And as soon as they line up against Nate Solder or Mike Remmers, it's like they've remembered how to play again. Right. And, uh, you know, there's, there, there hasn't been one quarterback that I can think of that had even a mediocre game against us. Uh, Kyler Murray, I guess you could say, but they got out to a huge lead and, they, and it was, they just started running the ball. Other than that, I mean, the guys are putting up huge numbers against us. So I think, that, I think you know, if I can give you a little hope and your listeners, I think after this week, I mean, I looked at your schedule. It's, it's, it's looking pretty tough coming up. Yes. But – you know, next week you have a very winnable game, and I, you know, you should win this game. And I think that I think Mitch could really could have a bounce back game here because we we're we're not we're not stopping quarterbacks. We're just not doing it. We're okay against the run, mm-hmm. and I think people are down on Mac from what I'm seeing. Did did he not even have a tackle last week? Because I I went to look up his stats, he... and nothing popped up. That has been the story of the week: is that he is nowhere on the stat sheet against the Rams. Didn't have a a pressure, didn't have a tackle, a pass deflection, uh, nothing. But at the same time, uh, the Rams were run heavy against us. So, And, of course, they're going to run away uh, from Khalil Mack. Nobody runs at Khalil Mack. So they're running away from him. And uh, Jared Goff only attempted 18 passes uh, on Sunday. So his pass rushing opportunities were nowhere near what they usually have been uh, this year. And he's having a down year, not not because he's having a down year, to be completely honest with you. He's having a down year because no one else around him is stepping up to help out. Nobody, our opponents don't have a reason not to double or triple team Khalil Mack because Leonard Floyd hasn't been the pass rushing, uh, you know, dynamo on the other side that's helping him out to where they have to go one-on-one with Mack because they have to worry about Floyd uh, as well or... Uh, you know, we've we've been missing Akeem Hicks since week five when he dislocated his uh, his elbow. He's not he's he might be done for the year, I guess, depending on how the rest of the the season goes. He can come back week 15 off the, the short term IR. But uh, if we're, you know, six and eight or whatever, what's the point? You know, but, um, you know, it's just that no one else on the defensive side is stepping up to take the defenses or the offensive attention away from Khalil Mack so they can keep two three guys on him because everyone else can be handled one-on-one and that's where it's been getting rough uh, for Khalil Mack this year because nobody in the pass rush nobody in the front seven is stepping up to to help him out so uh, I heard his uh, position coach uh, in an interview last week say that he has been I I think the word he used was disruptive but I think he'd prefer to be productive you know as far as like you know He's drawing those double teams, but he'd prefer to be breaking through the double teams and getting after the quarterback. Like Khalil Mack is still being Khalil Mack and being, you know, a menace and everything like that, but he's not producing like he was uh, a year ago because nobody else on the on the defense is helping him 
uh, in that way. So that's what's been uh, frustrating for him. So I don't think anyone's down on Khalil Mack, uh, so to speak. But uh, he, he, along with everybody else, is not having the year that they had uh, a year ago. And to be honest with you, to hear you talking so freely about this is a game that the Giants should lose, a game that should the Bears should win, funny enough, the conversation that I had with my Giants guy last year went exactly the same way, that uh, right. you're going to come into town, you're going to pound our ass into the turf, you're going to walk away with an easy win, and we lost that game, dude. So, you know, even though you're talking like this is going to be a, you know, a, a nice little summer breeze and we're just going to blow right through this one, I also had a similar conversation with our Lions guy uh, a couple weeks ago where it's like, yeah, we have the 31st ranked defense in the NFL, so you guys should be able to solve your offensive problems. They did not get solved that day. We scored enough points to win, but we didn't play like we were playing against the 31st ranked defense uh, in the NFL. So if you're saying that Mitch is going to have a get-back game, that our defense is going to swarm and be tenacious and unrelenting, I'm going to have to see it happen because that's where Bear fans are right now. We know what this team is capable of. We're just waiting and dying to actually see it happen. So maybe you're right. Maybe the Giants are the perfect opponent for the Bears to be able to do that against, but we're going to have to wait them, wait and see them actually do it on the field before we're going to believe that it's going to happen. Right, and that's understandable, and that was a weird game last year. Yeah. And it was late in the season. And I know a lot of Giants fans were. We just wanted. A lot of us just didn't even want to win that game because, you know, we're 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 trying to get a quarterback. We're trying to get in the top five. You guys, you know, and that game meant nothing to us. And it was like December, and it was just. It was like you guys wanted that game so bad. And yeah. I know Chase was playing, and it was just. I remember that game was. I think it was thirty-eight, thirty-five. It was just nuts back and forth at the end there. Yeah. Um, so we. And I don't think the Giants are gonna. The one thing I'll say about Pat Shermer is that his players have played for him. They haven't rolled over at all at any point, point. Um, and they seem to like him. So, And I don't agree with his mindset of he's going to stick with the veterans um, because he's trying. To, he's obviously trying to save his job. Um, so, you know, we're going to have our best team out there, and there is some, there is some talent. I think, that, I think the Vegas line is six points right now. I think mm-hmm. that's about fair. Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout, I, you know, but I think – I just I find it hard to believe, as good as Daniel Jones has been, that he can outscore even the Bears' offense against your defense. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to make some plays. I think we'll probably put – if you want to score, I mean, I probably think it's like, you know, 21-17 uh, Bears. Okay. I don't think it'll be a blowout. Sure. But I, think, I don't think it'll be as close as – you know, I don't think we'll really have a shot to win it you know, much down the end. Maybe it'll get we'll, – we'll see how it really goes. But um, I really think this is a perfect get-right game for you guys. And, you know, it's from our side, it's just hard to think we can beat anybody when we've lost six in a row and looking at a defense like you guys have. Yeah. And we've seen we've seen a quarterback just, just light us up all year. Um, it's hard to just feel like we can win any game right now. And as sure. a Giant fan, I'm not – you know, it's, it's not something I'm really used to. I, you know, I'm, I'm under 30 years old. So I've seen two Super Bowls from when, from when I was a, an adult until now, and it's just you get to this point where, you know, we're playing a four and six football team, and we feel like we've almost got no shot. It's it's just not great, but you know, um, it's 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 going to be a pretty evenly matched game. It should be. Um, I just think you know you guys have some 
it, you, the edge rushers you guys have are going to be a big-time matchup problem for us. And combining that with Daniel Jones' fumbling problems, if there's, a, if there's a fumble return for a touchdown or two, I mean, it, it could get ugly. And, and that's not too much of a, of a stretch to think that could happen. Well, I, uh, you know, from your lips to God's ears on that, I, I really do hope that the, the Sunday goes well uh, for the Bears, especially since we're on a tight turnaround. We're playing the early game on Thursday against the, the Lions on Thanksgiving Day. So we got a small window to get ready for them. So a game that we can just kind of get through, get it done, and maybe get a quick W at the same time and be in a position to be a 500 if we win on Thursday uh, as well, I think would be a uh, – a fantastic thing so you know the one thing that we haven't really talked about although you've mentioned that uh it's a unit that could help mitch get right is is your defense um what's going on with the defense that you do feel that you know like you said every quarterback that you play with has not had a mediocre game has you know come out and and pretty much done what he wanted and so on and so forth what's going wrong with the with the defense because that was actually the unit that i feel beat us last year they they forced a couple of turnovers they had a pick six early on and you're right it was an absolutely weird football game uh last year but you know the defense actually played well against the bears last year oh yeah and that, i believe it was alec ogletree who oh yeah that pick six yeah and if you want to if you want to point to one guy that's really killing this team and this defense it's him wow. and last year he had five interceptions and i think he took two of them to the house so it really kind of masked really what was going on and it's hard to believe that a guy that was, uh, you know, he was a safety at SC, and, uh, at Georgia in the SEC, and he was like All-American, mm-hmm. or, or at least All-SEC. He was a first-round pick. Yes, he was. And he's now he's now a linebacker, and he can't cover anybody. He can't get his hips around. I mean, uh, it's it's tough. And he's he's our middle linebacker. He's our he's our vocal leader, and he's just he's to me he's the biggest problem. Um, we've got a lot of young cornerbacks and. You know, Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins, is, he's, he's doing his job. He got uh, – Mike Evans really killed him in week three. He had three touchdowns. He hasn't given up a touchdown all year besides that. So I, I don't think Allen Robinson's going to hurt us too much if he travels with him, which mm-hmm. he is one of the few corners in the league that still really does that and doesn't play a side. Right. So – but you guys still have, like, Anthony Miller, who I have a lot of respect for. Um, and it's just we – our pass rush was the main concern coming into the year. But we've actually been okay in that department. I mean, Marcus Golden uh, is a former Arizona Cardinal, which we have a ton of because of our defensive coordinator, James Betcher, and right. that's, that's that's something Giant fans have, have just talked about at nauseum, and rightly so because we've had a lot a lot of them haven't worked out. Right. But Marcus Golden has has been a stud pass rusher for us. I believe he's got five and a half sacks this year, and we've got you know we we don't have a star edge rusher, but the group has gotten it done, and we've got some big linemen. Um, I think it's really the scheme. I mean, we don't we switched to a three four and it just hasn't worked out. We don't have you need linebackers. You guys got linebackers. You got a three four, but you got linebackers that can play sideline to sideline. We don't have that, so we get beat over the middle a lot. And when you combine that with young cornerbacks like we have, it's it's just a recipe for disaster. And we've got Antoine Buffet playing back there at free safeties. I think he's thirty five years old, so his his best days are behind him. So you know, we're we're really undermanned in that department. So it's 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 a little scheme, a lot a lot of talent. The defensive coordinator has taken a ton of heat, which some of which he deserves. Um, but you know we really don't have the players to compete in the NFL right now with the way that rules are. Um, 
we don't have the, the people that can cover, especially at the linebacker position, um, to where we can really be effective on defense. And I think I, I really believe that you're going to see that. I would like to, to not see that. You know, I, I really want to see some positive signs here in the second half of the season, especially from DeAndre Baker, another Georgia first-round pick. I mean, that guy was a dog. I, I, I've gone back this year and gotten some rabbit holes where I went back and watched all his college film just to try to understand what's going on, and none of it makes sense. I mean, the guy doesn't look anything near like the guy he was, you know, shadowing Alabama's number one receiver, LSU, all the guys they got week in, week out. He didn't allow a touchdown in three years. Um, his, his last three years in college, he allowed one touchdown, and he's getting – He's the 112th ranked corner out of 113. So, oh, wow. if you want to look for if you want to look for someone to have a big day, I would say Anthony Miller is in a prime spot to break out. Um, and Taylor Gabriel could certainly get loose for a big one. So, you know, um, we just we got a lot of young players um, on defense right now, and we just don't have a chance really. We'll we'll see. Maybe it'll turn against Mitch. It could go the other way too, you know, <laughs> because you guys. It's it's the uh, what's the saying the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. It's Correct. the complete opposite of it's the complete yeah. opposite of that. But uh, whatever that uh, saying is, that's kind of what it is. So maybe maybe Mitch maybe maybe our D does step up. I, you know, it could happen, but I, you know from what I've seen, I, I just don't anticipate it. Well, the fan base will be full of pessimism at Soldier Field on Sunday. The Giants fans that make the trip and the Bear fans that are there to. Uh, to represent you know it's like we'll be rooting for our teams obviously we want them uh to win but i don't think either fan base will be surprised if they come away with another uh loss considering the bears have lost uh four out of five or five out of six or whatever it's been uh for for us and like you said you guys have lost six straight since uh like you won daniel jones first two starts and you haven't won a game uh since so it, it it's gonna be an interesting game uh, on Sunday, we'll see if the Bears can exact revenge on that uh, on that loss that really hurt us last year as far as playoff standings uh, was concerned because losing that game is what kept us from getting the bye week. We were a wild card team because we lost that game uh, to the Giants, so, so that really sucked. But, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, or so they say. And uh, I guess uh, we'll watch this game on Sunday because what else are we going to do? Our teams are playing, right? Yeah, and you know what, man? I'll tell you what. As bad as four and six feels, I guarantee you two and eight feels worse. So, <laughs> um, and you know what? Who knows what really would have happened if that double doink didn't happen last year? Oh, Maybe Mitch, dude. you know, finds his confidence later on in the playoffs and has an Eli Manning type moment. Yeah. You know what I mean, you know, and, and it's crazy how stuff happens. And I never thought about that. That you guys didn't get the buy because of that. I never, I never added that up. That's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, there were a couple of other, you know, like we should have won the game in Miami, Week Six. We missed a field goal in overtime uh, there. I mean, Parky was just helping us out all over the place uh, last year. But uh, you know, in in three of the four games that we lost, we should have won them. We should have beaten Green Bay Week One. We should have beaten Miami Week Six. And we should have won that Giants game. We got it to overtime. We an improbable ten point flip. We you know we get it to overtime, and then we can't stop you guys in overtime. We end up losing there. So those three, like the only game that we lost that we probably should have lost was the New England game. And you could even argue that we could have won that if not for the two special teams touchdowns that we gave up in that game. So you know every one of those four losses could have been a victory if you look at it the right way. So. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it was an interesting game last year with the uh, 
what was it, the wide receiver pass for a touchdown, uh, Ogletree's pick six. Uh, Ogletree had a second interception where if Daniels is able to get it over Ogletree's hands, because it was like a one-handed interception that Ogletree make, if he gets it over him, Tariq Cohen is wide open for a touchdown behind him. You know, that's how funny that game was last year. Every move that happened went against us. I mean, Hakeem Hicks, our starting defensive tackle, scored a rushing touchdown for us last year. So oh, yeah. That's how, weird, that's how weird that game was. So, it yeah. Was, it was weird. It was an and odd you game. You guys are really – you're really missing him, it seems like, you know? We are. Not only because he is a menace and an absolute beast on the field, but he's also a vocal leader for the Bears uh, on defense. And, and and Khalil Mack is more of a lead-by-doing lead kind of guy. He's not a rah-rah, you know, pump-up-your-teammates. He's not going to be that guy standing out front making the big speeches. That was Akeem Hicks' job. With him out, with Danny Trevathan out, he was the other guy that did that. He's out as well, you know, both to dislocated elbows, ironically enough. And, uh, you know, wow. without them, we don't really have that vocal stand-up uh, leader on the defensive side, and I think that's probably what hurt us the most last week against the, uh, against the Rams, that we just didn't have that guy that could help us mentally stay in the game or, or you know, get us pumped up. I mean, Akeem Hicks is on the sidelines because he's, you know, traveling with the team, but he wasn't on the field where we needed him the most, so... That's uh, that's where we're missing Akeem Hicks for the most part is on the field, missing his leadership as well as his uh, his playing ability, as well. So I hope he does come back, but I hope that we're in a position to need him to come back as opposed to uh, just wanting him to play because it's Akeem Hicks. So, um, right. What are you guys looking at for the injury front as we wrap things up here? Yeah, um, we're you know we got a lot of guys with concussions, man. It's been a mm. long year of concussions, which you never like to see. Right. But it's looking like some of them are, are getting better. I mean, two, uh, we've got about three concussions on the injury report right now. I know Jack Rabbit and Sterling Shepard is actually our wide receiver has actually had two concussions this year, and in my in my opinion, he should just really not play for the rest of the year. But it seems like he went full today, um, from what I'm reading. So it looks like he's actually going to play. Um, which which will be an added boost for us. But other than that, Nate Solder, another concussion um, uh, as our left tackle. So he is up in the air. Um, and Evan Ingram, our great tight end, he's got a foot problem. So he's probably not going to play. So the two that are probably not going to play um, are Ingram, and it looks like Solder's a legitimate 50-50 shot. Hmm. Other than that, it looks like it looks like we're all systems go. Um so you know it should be a should be our our best uh, best foot forward wherever whatever that is. Right. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a bit more demoralizing then, isn't it? To have a to have a healthy team for the most part, and for you still not to be able to do much on the field. Oh yeah, and you know when we kind of needed to be healthy at the beginning of the year, when some of the games were a little closer. Yeah. You know we weren't. Um, so you know, every team has injuries. Where I'd say to only have to be missing potentially two or three starters. Um, as you're pre- at this point of the year, you're pretty lucky. Um, if, I guess if, if you want to find something we're we're lucky for this year, it's that. So right. Well, I was just looking at the the Yahoo app to try to get a grasp on what the schedules look like, and I see the side by side schedule of each team's last ten games, and we combine for one win in those ten games. So that's what we're looking forward to on Sunday is a team that is a combined one and nine over the last 10 weeks or, or last five weeks. So uh, that is uh, that is what's taking the field 
uh, on Sunday where the Bears will be wearing throwback. I don't know if we're wearing throwback unis, but we're definitely wearing throwback helmets on Sunday. So you won't see the orange C. You'll see the old school white C with a gray face mask on Sunday uh, for the Bears. So like they wore many, many times playing the Giants over the years, and I'm sure that that's what they were wearing when the Bears and the Giants played for the NFL title back in 63. So, uh, yeah, back, oh, yeah. In, back in the days of Y.A. Tittle and, and things like that. So, interesting. Wow. Well, at least, hey, at least the uniforms will look good, man. Yeah, that should be interesting, especially since the Giants are essentially wearing throwbacks every week. So they they kind of went back to what their yeah. old uniform used to be. So I guess it's appropriate yep. that the Bears will be wearing something throwbackish uh, on Sunday. So. Yep. So, Charles, man, thanks yep, so much uh, for, for coming on, man. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and helping us uh, uh, talk through this. Uh, where else can we find you uh, uh, online? Um, so you can follow our, uh, our G-Men HQ um, account at G-Men HQ. It's a fan-sided network. Um, and if you want to throw my personal Twitter follow page, it's at Chucky underscore Cheese 7. Other than that, yeah, I'm just I'm just doing the G-Men HQ thing right now. Um, it's going, going pretty well, so... You know, but thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully, your uh, your podcast will be a little more positive next week. But you can't really blame us when you bring up what you just said. Right. When we've won one out of ten <laughs> games combined, I mean, we're just keeping it real, man. I mean, I hate to be negative, but yeah, I got to call to see it. You know. Yeah. Well, no one was expecting the season to go the way it has gone for the Bears, so no one wanted to be negative. It's just that's that's the world we're living in right now. So. But uh, Charles Vitolo, thanks so much, man. Hope to have you back on real soon. All right. Nice talking to you, buddy. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you. Remember, guys, one promo code, two discounts. Promo code armchair will get you 20% off and free shipping with manscaped.com. And promo code armchair will get you your first shipment free with bluechew.com. Just pay $5 shipping. Uh, I want to thank Charles Vitolo for helping me out with this preview between the Bears and the Giants. And, and if you had any pessimism going into the game, maybe you feel a little bit better that even a Giants fan who watches every snap and is a writer and, and a blogger that uh, you know follows the team quite deeply feels quite deeply that his team doesn't have a shot on Sunday. Um, Got to make you feel better about the possibility of it on Sunday. But then again, we felt that way last year when we had a monumentally better football team going into that game. And, uh, you know, we felt that way a couple of times. We felt that way going into the Charger game, a game that we absolutely should have won for so many reasons we should have won that one. Uh, walked away with the loss there. We felt that way going into the Raider game, um, a game that we were winning with about three minutes to go before a 97-yard drive but the end of that. So, um, yeah, lots of uh, – we should be 6-4. and four, And I know that I've played the pessimism card saying that we should probably be – three and seven or something like that we should have lost the bronco game or or anything and but uh you know this is the reality we should have won the raider game we should have won the uh charger game we should be undefeated against the afc west instead we're one and two with the chiefs up next in a couple of weeks so not good not good so uh, <laughs> but uh you know going into this game it's it's uh, you know i don't have a whole lot as far as keys to the game 
uh, or anything like that. We just got to cut down on the mistakes. And it seems like these days the, the mistakes or, you know, especially the last couple of weeks, the mistakes are more mental, you know, whether it be play execution or route running like the interception for Anthony Miller. Where I'm hearing hearing this week during the press conferences that the Anthony the interception caused by Anthony Miller where he tipped the ball he was supposed to run a 14 a 14 yard route instead he ran it too deep at 16 Mitch put the ball where he should have been at 14 and that's why he was out of place and hits the ball and it ricochets into the hands uh, of a defender and that's the kind of stuff that's been happening all year long. So, uh, you know, not just with Anthony Miller, but with other guys uh, as well. You know, the the drop passes for uh, Taylor Gabriel, uh, you know, now Allen Robinson has caught the drop sees disease uh, and things like that. And I mean, these are the things that are killing us, uh, not to mention just the errors in themselves that, that Mitch has been uh, committing this season, like not stepping up in the pocket, always fading backwards instead of stepping up and possibly running and, and making something out of nothing something he was so good at uh last year and you heard me talk to charles you've heard me talk to a few guys saying i don't know who to blame who who is to blame there is it Nagy? but and 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 uh you know ragone and and helfridge telling mitch to stay in the pocket and and look for the open receiver you know you you and think and and also telling him at the same time that with his feet he should be able to create the time for the receivers to get open just move around in the pocket you have the athletic ability you can move around and avoid the tacklers and blah 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 screw that man tuck the ball in and take off for christ's sake just do it to hell with it take your fate in your own hand i did read one article this week uh i think it was our good friend eric lambert from sports mockery that said um mitch did not follow the best advice that ben roethlisberger had ever given him now granted Roethlisberger's not a guy you want to go to for a lot of advice, but the one bit that he did give uh, Mitch in this article was very important. And and, and um, advice that uh, by by way of the the article is is suggesting uh, advice Mitch did not follow or has not followed, and that's why the season has gone as poorly as it did. Uh, Roethlisberger's uh, advice was to take control of your career. You know, do what you do best and, you know, don't let them change you or, you know, try to fix you, quote unquote, or or anything like that. And it seems like this is what's happening this year is that Mitch is not the 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 uh, the troublemaker on his feet that he has been uh, in the past. He doesn't he doesn't seem willing to do it. And I, I think it's more of the fact that he's he, he seems like he's more of a guy that's that's a pleaser instead of you know instead of being a guy that's that that like Roethlisberger said is taking control and and just playing his game uh you know he wants to make his coaches happy he wants to do what they tell him um you know he's a humble enough guy to believe that they know what's best for him uh and his career and right now it's working against him if that's what's going on then uh Mitch needs to uh grow some balls in the offseason if he wants to because I I wholeheartedly believe he's going to be in Chicago in 2020 will ryan pace go out and try to find someone to replace him or compete with him in training camp because i believe at at the very least at the very least we should have an open quarterback competition next year whoever our starting quarterback is week one in 2020 should have earned that job in the preseason in training camp and in the preseason by playing in games and 
and all that kind of stuff next year. Uh, I, I honestly believe that. And I, I actually think that's probably the best route to go at, at the moment, especially with the draft capital that we have. Right now we're hoping and praying that uh, Tua, you know, Tua's injury in Alabama, his hip injury will help him fall in the second round. Maybe Jake Fromm will fall into the second round and the Bears can scoop him up or something like that. We're hoping and praying, fingers crossed, and, uh, and stuff like that, that, that something like that can happen so that we can draft the next quarterback instead of uh, you know having to pay millions and millions of dollars to try to sign to try to sign like an Andy Dalton or a, a Cam Newton or God forbid a Teddy Bridgewater that's going to ask for top dollar uh, on the market after what he did for the Saints while Drew Brees was out. So um, you know I I believe that's that's what what should happen going into next season. And if Mitch wants to keep his job. Uh, as the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears, then I think he needs to take Roethlisberger's advice and take his career in his own hands and do what he does. Run the football, move yourself around, do something, make them call the plays that you like so that the the offense can run the best way that you know you can uh, make it run. He's not doing that right now, and I think that's a big reason why the Bears are suffering. He's trying to do what Nagy wants him to do he's trying to please his coaches and instead he should have his coaches trying to put him in the best position to succeed instead of them trying to get him to fit into this uh into this system that apparently he just doesn't fit well in or that 202 level that they keep talking about uh in the in the early season or in the preseason and training camp and stuff is just not he's not cut out for it so you know whatever we were doing last year we had progress we made progress throughout the year you know, you heard me say it to, to, to Charles, you heard me say it many times, uh, you know, throughout the offseason and into the season was that he was so much better quarterback, you know, in that wild card game against Philly than he was week one uh, against the uh, the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, outplayed Nick Foles and nearly won us that football game. Uh, you know, we need that guy back. The guy that that in that was took over the second half of that game threw for over 300 yards against the Eagles and nearly put us in a spot to take us to the next or to put us in a spot to take us to the next round if not for uh Cody Parkey shanking that field goal so we need that guy back you know we need him not whoever the hell is under center uh for the Bears uh these days so anyway like I said I don't really have any any uh you know keys to the game other than the fact that we need to cut down uh on the mistakes whether they be mental we didn't rack up many penalties against the Rams so at least we avoided that but, uh, you know, it just seemed like the, the mistakes that we made were, were big ones. Mental lapses, blown coverages, uh, you know, in that Rams game and things like that. Um, and we have to – I believe we also have to start early. We have to get out in front early against this Giants team because the Giants are having that kind of season where the longer we keep them in it, the tougher they're going to be to put away. So I think that if we get out in front like 14 to nothing, 10 to nothing, something like that early on, it will take the wind out of their sails because the worst thing you can do for a team that's struggling is give them hope. I've said that many times, and it seems like I need to stop saying it because every time I say that in a preview episode, the Bears don't start fast, and these teams that we should be blowing past in these football games are hanging around to the very end because we keep doing things to give them hope. So that's what the bears need to do. Come out, put their foot down on the giants throat early on, take control of the football game 
knock them out of it early so that we can cruise in the second half and get ready for Detroit on Thursday, which quite frankly is a much more important game, a division game, our first division game on the road, a 500 record could be on the line the whole nine yards. So, but we got to win this game on Sunday in order to have a 500 record in front of us uh, on Thursday. So anyway, that's all I got guys. Uh, Thanks so much for, for checking in with me for the week 12 preview. Uh, Just a quick uh, scheduling note because we're we've got such a quick turnaround uh, for the uh, for the Thanksgiving game, I am going to be recording the pre uh, the review episode on Sunday night. Uh, so basically, for the most part, well, the Bears play at noon. The game will be over at three. I'll record it around dinner time, but uh, you know, the, so it will drop first thing Monday morning. The review episode. Uh, I've already got Jeremy Reisman scheduled uh, to come back and, and preview the Thanksgiving game so the thanksgiving episode will drop on wednesday so we're going to have the review episode on monday which for the most part is going to be a knee-jerk reaction show and then wednesday for the preview of the thanksgiving game so that's how the schedule is going to go next week i haven't quite decided when the review episode will come out for the thanksgiving game Uh, i don't think that as like i'm going home to the chicago area for the holiday uh, but there's no chance in hell that I'm going anywhere uh, on Friday because one of the reasons that I don't miss living in Chicago anymore is that when I go home, traffic is just ball-wrenching while I'm there. I absolutely I, – I live in an area now where, t- where three cars at a stoplight is a traffic jam uh, for me. I don't do well sitting in the highway going five miles an hour in this bumper-to-bumper crap. I can't handle it anymore. I really can't. I get so impatient and I get so pissed that I could get out and walk faster uh, than my car is moving on the highway. So um, chances are very good that I'll record the episode sometime on Friday and get it out either like Friday night, first thing Saturday. And um, then we'll figure out the rest uh, from there. I got to get in touch with our Cowboys guy, see when he's available because the Bears play on Thursday the following week uh as well we play on thursday night football against the cowboys after that so got to figure that out uh as well so anyway that's going to do it for the week 12 preview episode of the bears talk underground like i said come back uh first thing monday morning the show will be out to review this matchup between the bears and the giants so will uh will it's uh will it be a clean episode will it be a victory episode only our fifth of the year we'll be looking forward to maybe breaking even at 500 on uh, thanksgiving day or is the season now completely over because we blew it against the two and eight giants team tune in on monday to find out and until then my name is larry d and this has been the bears talk underground One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.